the blast from our past network. Supernatural, Halloween, exploitation, slashers, and everything in between. Welcome to the Podcasting After Dark Watch List, the show where a guest chooses a topic and the hosts, along with the guest, discuss their top five favorites. Light a candle, hide your Ouija board, and enjoy the Podcasting After Dark Watch List. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey, and with me this week is the awesome host of Why This Film, Emily Slade. Hello! How are you doing, Emily? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. It feels weird having a little bit of a warm-up here when we just recorded your show <laughs> for the hour prior. Um, so I know I know Emily from Why This Film podcast, and I just recorded the Tron episode for her show, which I imagine will be maybe out before this episode. So you might, you guys might have already listened to that one and listened to me talk about how much I love the original Tron, a.k.a. <laughs> the OG Tron, as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, and then so we were, you know, say, hey, well, while we're recording, let's just do a back to back double feature and uh, do a watch list for podcasting after dark. So uh, Emily suggested uh, what was the, the topic that you suggested for us? Um, top five 80s fantasy movies. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I was glad you didn't say 90s uh, fantasy films, because if you do a Google search of 80s fantasy films versus 90s fantasy films, they are Mm -hmm. drastically different. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I was born in 1991, so I grew up with the 90s fantasy movies, and it did not take me very long at all to reach back into the previous decade to be like, ah, this is where the good stuff is. (laughs) (laughs) This is where the good stuff is, as as someone from the 80s, I gotta say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before we get into our watch list and everything, uh, Emily, give us a little, you know, backstory on on you and, uh, you know, your podcast and, you know, anything you want to kind of fill us in on that's uh, podcasting after dark adjacent, I guess, right? (laughs) Um, So I started my podcast a while back now, Why This Film? We look back on movies of your childhood, so movies that you perhaps grew up with that you haven't seen in a while or ones that you still watch over and over again like you did with Tron. Um, and just sort of focus on how they make you feel and how they're different. And so I'm always on the lookout for similar film podcasts that sort of look back as opposed to forward because movies suck now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, some of them sure, sure do. <laughs> it's so, it's so homogenized and everything. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's wild. The eighties definitely have a different feel to them. Movie wise. Uh, we, yeah. we talked about it extensively with Tron, um, you know, the aesthetic and stuff. And one thing I, I don't think we mentioned Intron, you mentioned it saying how it was interesting how their costumes were all put together from from different things, but you know, like their helmets were a hockey helmet and everything. But you said, but as a whole, it's a costume, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that was that was you did that a lot back in the eighties. But I feel like nowadays, when you make a movie, you have to create it and fabricate it, and it has to be completely you know unique. And you know, that's fine, that's great, and I think that's probably the way it should be because you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about licensing or anything like that, and you own complete control of something. 
but there's just something that was a magical quality of watching Tron, knowing in the back of your mind that that was a hockey helmet on his head with just lines painted on it. There's something, you know, there's something quaint about that. They were all sort of passion projects back then, weren't they? And they were um, much more interested in how and why they were going to do things. I always say that if you give me a puppet with blood on it, that's much scarier than a CGI kraken. Right. Um, that's just dicking about on screen. Like, <laughs> when you know it's there, that's terrifying. And it, it's what they tried to recapture with The Force Awakens, wasn't it? That sort of real, tangible... Um, and we are, we are going back to that sort of vibe now. We, we had our time in the CGI realm, and we are trying going back to practical effects. But the 80s had a charm about them because they were allowed to be rubbish as well. Whereas nowadays, I don't think you're, you give that allowance to your movies anymore. No, that's that's a really, really good point. I think there was a, a healthier dose of suspension of disbelief back in the mm. 80s. And you could watch something like, I don't know, like, you know, the, the transformation scene in American Werewolf in London. And the whole thing is, is prosthetics. And, you know, you can sort of sometimes tell where it's a prosthetic, tell where it's him. I mean, I don't mean to pick apart that scene because that scene's amazing. But the mm-hmm. point is, is that knowing the craftsmanship that goes into it kind of gives it a pass on if things... Things don't look the best. Whereas, you know, you watch, um, you know, Rogue One, and as much as I love that movie and I love what they did with Tarkin and everything, like, it still has that little bit of weird uncanny valley to it. Or yeah. I guess I should say more so the, the Princess Leia at the end I thought was done yeah. worse. And that's when you're like, I demand perfection. And if you can't deliver perfection, like – for perfect example of CGI, like like being unnecessary at that shot at the end with Princess Leia, they could have just kept it on her back and her just basically looking out, and and that's how a, a, a filmmaker would have maybe done that back in the nineties, and you yeah. would have just known that was Princess Leia. But they have to shoot her face, they have to do the de aging, you know, and then then you're like, okay, I know that you're telling me that that's Princess Leia, that that's Carrie Fisher, but yeah. for some reason it's not connecting with my brain, and I think yeah. that you know, I, I think the CGI has forced you know some directors to kind of you know do shots that they wouldn't have done otherwise basically it's classic jurassic park syndrome isn't it like you were too busy wondering if you could you didn't stop to think if you should (laughs) that honestly nothing better sums up some of these cgi creations than that right there i i you nailed it perfectly that pretty much uh uh, sums it all up um so you picked 80s fantasy films and before you tell me why you picked yours i'll just tell you real quick that I was a sci-fi kid growing up. I watched some 80s films, and you'll see from my list, you know, that I, I did watch 80s film or 80s fantasy films, um, but they weren't, like, heavily in my rotation. And, you know, I told you on uh, on the Tron episode, like, what my top five movies were, and they're all pretty much sci-fi based. Um, there's not yeah. a lot of fantasy out there for me. So this list was a little bit more difficult for me to, to put together than I, I initially thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um what what draws you to fantasy films? Have you always been into them? Is this a newer thing? Yeah, I um, have always loved fantasy. You looked at my bookshelves when I was younger and it was always that sort of um, mythological, from the Greek myths to the sort of um, uh, princess and prince, dragons, knights, tales. Then I got into sword and sorcery. I always thought I was a lot more into sword and sorcery than I was. But then I look back on actual sword and sorcery movies and I'm like, oh, I didn't like any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess 
fantasy. I always loved the idea because the idea, isn't it, that fantasy is the past and sci-fi is the future. Um, I loved the aesthetic of the medieval and I loved history and I loved this idea of like almost Games of Thronesy, where there, there was this sort of realism and then within that woven was this was this like unreal element where it's like, look, like castles were a thing and we've just put a dragon in them. And I'm like, excellent. Do that again. Um, I don't know why. Uh, the costumes are always gorgeous. The endings are always fun. You have the hero's journey uh, without... I don't know, it just felt more grounded and human because you always had to sort of slog it out with a sword or a, a amulet or like something, whereas in sci-fi you would rely on technology and how that could get to you and, and robots are terrifying and will doom us all. So... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've never really thought about it to be able to articulate it well, but when I look at this list, I'm like... The first time I ever saw each one of these movies, uh, my life changed a little bit each okay. time. Oh, that's, I mean, that's that's awesome. And that's really, at the end of the day, all that, that matters, you know, is that mm -hmm. these movies kind of connect with you for whatever reason. And, yeah, if you asked me, like, why I like sci-fi, I don't know, I like the armor. I like, you know, the guns, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, it's just, it's it's that X factor that you just say, I don't know, that's just what I dig. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, even back in the day, I used to play, like, Warhammer 40,000 and stuff like that. And, you know, but other people would play, like, Warhammer Fantasy. But I was like, no, nah, I want to be, like, those big, awesome, like, space marines and stuff. And yeah. Just, just the, the word space marine gets me, like, excited, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I loved the Lord of the Rings films. Um, I yeah. was a big Game of Thrones fan, uh, you know? So, so I, I, fantasy's never something that's, like, completely outside of my realm of, of what I enjoy. I just don't tend mm -hmm. to always gravitate towards it but i will i'll give something a shot you know i'll, I'll have fun mm -hmm. with it and uh spoiler alert you know that it, it's not on my list and i i was wrestling with this um but I'm, I'm just gonna say at the top it's not on my list but i totally view star wars as a fantasy film versus a sci-fi film i don't feel mm -hmm. like that series is about the technology because i feel like with sci-fi you got to have the technology has to be sort of an aspect of it um and and it has to sort of like work whereas all of uh you know star wars is sci-fi aspect like how does this work right even go into the millennium falcon like the gunner positions are sort of facing outwards like how did they even crawl into that is there different gravity you know and stuff like the technology doesn't matter in star wars that's not what mm -hmm. matters but i think what in a sci-fi film it's kind of like the technology matters so to you know to that extent you know again i say dune is a is a fantasy film yeah. um and but it's not on this i don't i didn't put this on this list because i went a little bit more traditional I, I you know cool. i didn't want it to be like okay because <laughs> i think that would be its own list of saying okay what about sci-fi movies that are actually fantasy films that's its own yeah. list right there so I went on my list. I definitely went a bit more traditional. And mm -hmm. uh, knowing your previous uh, uh, episodes on your podcast, I know we're going to have some overlaps. <laughs> I sure. I don't know. I think you're going to be surprised. Oh, I think, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, well let's uh, <laughs> let's let's dive in. So just to give everyone a heads up, we are going to count down five to one, basically. And if, say, for example, Emily's number five is actually my number four, 
we'll talk to talk about them both together when we get there. So even if Emily's five is my number one, we'll talk about them when we get there, essentially. And then uh, at the very end, we have both picked a bonus uh, movie from the 90s, a, a fantasy film from the 90s. And that's where I had to get a little creative. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to think for that one. Uh, probably. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I can't wait. I'm very excited. <laughs> All right, so why don't you kick us off with your number five, uh, your top five favorite uh, fantasy movies from the 80s. All right, at number five, we have the 1987 movie, The Princess Bride. Ooh, that is not on my list, so have at it. Wow. Um, It's an absolute classic, isn't it? Um, In every sense of the word, everybody can quote it from start to finish. It has some of the most incredible performances and peak carryalls. it really has that wonderful structure between the bedtime story with the grand uh, grandson and the actual story, and you care about both segments. One doesn't override the other; they're perfectly equal. Um, the world is so visually beautiful, and and I, I I think the world that they create with these characters in it is so real and tangible and in the same time you you never leave that grandson's bedroom but like the relationship that grows between the two people in that room as well alongside the love story in the fantasy realm is just gorgeous and if you don't cry at this movie you don't have a heart (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i've probably only seen it a couple times uh it wasn't wasn't huge in my wheelhouse um as as a kid but that being said I still say inconceivable because, yeah. you know, it's it's like everyone knows that some some part of that movie, even if you've never seen it, you're going to know some part of that film. It's just yeah. so much a part of our of our cultural zeitgeist at this point. And yeah. and I even though I have not seen it that many times, every time I have watched it, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I very much uh, do like that film, but it's not a heavy in my rotation, you know. It's very much for adults and children. The first time I watched it, I borrowed it from my grandma and she had, like, when videos used to come in, like, a, you'd get a two-video pack mm. and there was The Princess Bride and Krull. <laughs> and I watched both. <laughs> one Krull! was one of the greatest movies ever made, based on one of the greatest books ever written. Uh, and one, the other one was Krull. Um, (laughs) aka pure trash (laughs) it was so bad and I didn't expect it to be that bad Um, I immediately fell in love with The Princess Bride and then I watched it again when it came on television in high school and I remember going into school and being like did anyone watch it because at that time during my childhood Channel 5 would always put on usually a fantasy movie at like 6pm on a Sunday and I would always watch them Um, and it's where I saw most of these for the first time to be fair (laughs) and that one was on and I came into school and I was like did anyone watch this movie and and like one like everyone was like no and this one girl turned around and she's like yeah I started it but I turned it off like 10 minutes in when it like oh Princess Buttercup was going for a ride on her horse and instantly I like it was a I don't know it was a strange feeling not of superiority but I was like you didn't get it you did like it was supposed to be dumb it was supposed to be like oh look the princess is going for a ride on her pony they're making fun of fairy tales and that's what I loved because fairy tales are great as a base and a foundation but if you can do something with them excellent yeah like even better and that's what this movie does it's tongue-in-cheek the whole time and 
if you don't get it, you, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I like it when you take these traditional conceits and you spin them on their head and you play with them and you have fun with them and you, you mix them up and everything. And like you said, yeah, it's, it's making fun of the genre. And, you know, like I've watched a, a few movies for podcasting after dark where it's like, you're like, Oh, it, this is, you're not supposed to take this seriously. Like it's, it's making fun of the genre that it's in, but then sometimes you don't see that until way later down the road, you know, you have to sort of move away from the time frame that it came out of. And yeah. uh, I, I like that. I like it when people can, can kind of make fun of a, a genre and kind of have fun in it, but still have reverence for that genre. Like it, it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't ever shit on the genre of, of fairy tales. It, it says, mm-hmm. okay, here's, here are the conceits. Then it does these changes, but it keeps it within sort of the same conceits, you know, but they just, they make changes and make it better. I, I like it. I don't think, I think it's a fun movie. I never have mm-hmm. a problem with it, you know, but given a choice, there's a gazillion other movies I'd probably rather well, you know, that. it is number five. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. My number five is Conan the Barbarian with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Came out in 1982. Um, again, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm just not the biggest sword and sorcery fantasy person, especially growing up. So I think my my picks are going to be very kind of straightforward. But this is this is where I enjoyed. This is what I liked as a kid. You know, I, I still watched. The movie, you know, uh, James Cameron's Aliens like a hundred times, but I watched Conan the Barbarian once or twice, mm-hmm. specifically for the for the nudity and the violence, you know. <laughs> <It> is, <laughs> yeah. it's... And for those reasons, I did not watch it. Probably, <laughs> I've never yep. seen it. Yep, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I never felt compelled to watch it. Never felt compelled to watch the remake either. Yeah, um, I, yeah, the the uh, Jason Momoa one, right? Like yeah. that was, and that was before he was big, so like it, yeah. it it didn't do well, and now he's huge. And I wonder if he redid Conan, would it be better? Um, yeah. it, it, and it's honestly, it's one of those movies that I didn't realize I liked more than I did until I saw it when I was older. I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, I watched it a few times when I was younger, but like. You know, I got older. I was like, "Oh yeah, they actually did a pretty good job with with Conan." You know, telling his story. Uh, the, like I said, the violence was good. The action was good. You know, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger just visually like in his absolute prime. And you know, as much as as funny as he is now, it's amazing to see him like at that age. And you're just like, you just you just look like a movie star. Like there's just no yeah. if ands or buts that you're going to be a huge movie star. And and you know, it's technically sort of a comic book movie slash you know book movie. You know, so that was but. I never read the comics and never read the books, so my only knowledge of Conan is is the movie is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's portrayal, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my number five. What is your number four? My number four is 1982, The Last Unicorn. Oh my! I. I'm 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 picturing in my head. I kind of recognize the name, and I kind of can see the movie cover in in my mind, but I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Oh, I'm... you're wearing it on your <laughs> Skype. I I had my eyes closed while I was thinking. And I look up, and uh, Emily's like pointing to her shirt on Skype. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, uh, who, who's in it? I don't actually don't know anything about that movie. Yes, it was an animated movie um, from a a studio that was a little bit off-cuff. I want to say, bear with me. Um, Was it like, was it, it it was not Disney, so was it like a Ralph Bakshi film or or, uh, Don Bluth film or someone even more obscure? 
So it was Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass. So it was a Rankin and Bass movie. Oh. Um, they were, were like the... prime animators in the 80s. They, and you, you, everyone knows them from uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? That was a, mm. a Rankin and Bass uh, stop-motion animated movie. Yeah. Rankin Bass Productions. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so it's based on the book by Peter S. Beagle. And as William Golding wrote the book and did the screenplay for The Princess Bride, Peter S. Beagle wrote the book and did the screenplay for The Last Unicorn Movie. Mm. Um, it's got Mia Farrow as the unicorn. Um, Angela Lansbury plays like a carnival witch. Jeff Bridges is the prince. Um, Christopher Lee is the king. And then you've got some wonderful performances. Uh, Alan Arkin plays Schmendrick, the magician. And, oh my goodness, what's her name? Oh, she does such a wonderful uh, job as well. And Tammy Grimes as Molly Grew, who... I talk about this movie a lot. We we have an episode of it on my podcast. If you want to hear me go in depth on it, uh, go listen. <laughs> but I... It has some of the most incredibly gorgeous, like, poetic lines um, and some of the most heart-wrenching moments I've ever seen, as well as being beautifully animated and just a really cool story. Uh, I I love a good animated film, especially if it's traditional hand-drawn animation. You know, I I like that kind of stuff. I love Don Bluth. Um, If we were going to do fantasy video games, I would have put Dragon's Lair on there. I almost I almost (laughs) considered putting Dragon's Lair, the video game, on this list just because it's that was probably I probably that was more fantasy than I had ever kind of gotten into. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just because I love Don Bluth's uh, style, you know, and and everything. So that's cool. I'll actually I may have to go check check that out because I do love a good animated film. Yeah, it's got um, all of the songs are done by the band America, and you've probably heard the sort of original, the Last Unicorn title song. Um, like you, you must have heard it somewhere at some point. But it's, it's fun. It's just it's it's just gorgeous, and as I say, the lines so pretty. Nice, awesome. I have to I have to look into that. Uh, my number four is Red Sonia with Bridget Nielsen. Um, it's kind of it's very much akin to. Conan, uh, it's, you know, it's a female, sort of a female version of Conan. Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually in the movie uh, because um, Red Sonja is, I believe, was a Marvel license at the time, and they also had Conan as well. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it as Conan, but they didn't get the rights for it, so they had to change his name. So they just, you know, and, but it's almost like it plays out like it's, he's Conan. But it, it's not about him. It's about Bridget Nielsen's character, uh, Red Sonia, which is a, a comic book now. Um, actually uh, reviewing it in February uh, for my comic book podcast. We're talking about Red Sonia, but she's just basically like this strong, you know, Amazonian esque uh, uh, fighter. And it was it was PG, so it wasn't as violent and dark and sort of sexy uh, as well. It didn't have sex in it uh, as right. like Conan did. But I had the hugest crush on Bridget <laughs> Nielsen as Red Sonia in this. So I watched it over and over as a kid. Uh, you know, not knowing why. You know, just other than like yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I like this <laughs> when I was really young. And, uh, you know, I, I do have an affinity for, like, sh- like strong women that can kind of, like, take charge and stuff. And probably mm-hmm. comes from, from this. And have you ever yeah. have you ever seen Red Sonja at all? No, never even heard of it. It sounds very, like, Xena to the Hercules yeah. thing. Yes. Um, 
Xena definitely would not have probably existed without Red Sonia coming out. Yeah. Before. Sounds really cool. I've literally never even heard of it, um, let alone seen it. So maybe I should go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that great. I'm not going to lie to you. I watched it, uh, you know, a couple of years ago for the first time in a long time. And I was like, oh, it's, 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 it's pretty bad. It's with, <laughs> you know, a lot of these movies, sometimes you have to really have a healthy dose of nostalgia to go into them. If you, you watch them fresh and new and, you know, oof, sometimes yeah. you get, get more than you're asking for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what about your number three? My number three is 1984, The NeverEnding Story. Ooh, yes, that was that's a good one. That's a classic. I, I mean, I've seen that so many times as well, but it, it didn't make it on my list. But uh, I've definitely seen that a few times. What, what's your thoughts on that one? It's just, I watched it for the first time, as I say, on a Sunday night at 6 p.m., and I was gripped. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen any characters like this before. I'd never experienced the emotions that I was feeling before. Uh, again, it has that wonderful parallel between the real world and the fantasy world, which I loved when they do that. Um, and I finished watching it and I was just like, hmm, all right then. <laughs> Okay. And I was like changed as a person. I immediately went out and bought it on DVD or like, I think I taped it off the TV and I wore the VHS out and then I went and got it on DVD and everything about it. The luck dragon is so iconic. The swamps of sadness is like worse than Mufasa. Um, yeah, that traumatized an entire generation of of kids. (laughs) It was so sad and uh, the way the the look of the childlike empress was just so fascinating to me. The way that Bastion was able to come into that world and rebuild it, and obviously the moral of the story was like just fucking read books, kids. Yeah. Um. I the the bit where the rock biter is sat there and he's like, my friends, I couldn't save them. They look like such strong hands, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> just like just like inconceivable i will just randomly just randomly look down at my hands and say they look like such strong hands like yeah. i will do it that stuck with me as a kid i i saw this in the theater as a kid i'm uh, so jealous i i didn't have it written down what year did you say it come out it came out so i don't have to look it up on imdb 84 84 so i i was born in 78 so i was what six years old when that came oh out yeah i was like i liked it but uh we talked about it on your podcast and you know i'm sure my listeners know you know my right around that time my dad started taking me to see stuff like predator and aliens and robocop yeah, for like the next so like the next like Four or five years was just nothing but like these insanely violent '80s sci-fi action films, and yeah. just like like Neverending Story and ET just kind of got swept away for me. And I yeah. didn't. I almost had my my childhood like robbed of <laughs> childhood movies because yeah. I don't have an affinity for like ET. I've seen ET like three times. I'm like, yeah, it's ET, sure, but I've seen Aliens like a hundred times and before the <laughs> age of like fifteen. You know, like yeah. it's yeah. it's so yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you something. Have you seen Neverending Story Part 2? I have, and I have seen Neverending Story Part 3. I didn't know there well. was a Part 3. Yeah, it's got Jack Black in it. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Was Part 3 as bad um, as Part 2? 
It was worse. Oh, so there's a was, so basically there's a downward uh, slope that's worse. happening. Yeah. Um. So you go from the rock fighter uh, sitting there mournfully with this gorgeous panpipes music behind him, talking about how he couldn't save his friends. In the third one, he's married with a child, and he rides on a rock motorbike singing um, Get Your Motor Running, Head Out oh. on the Highway. Oh, God, no. That's Looking okay. for adventure, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> good times. I, I, <laughs> I had to watch part two, uh, I think it was like about two years ago. My buddies, um, they, uh, they have a podcast called Blast From Our Past Podcast. Um, it's actually what our network name comes from, the BFOP network, the Blast From Our Past Network. And they're kind of like the flag, flagship. And I've done a couple of guest spots on on their their shows, and uh, but then me and one of the the co-hosts have a spinoff show called The Sequels, and so him and I reviewed the move the sequels to the movies that they review on the main show. Oh, <laughs> which, cool! Well, yeah, no, except I get stuck with the Never Ending Story Part Two, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and stuff like uh, RoboCop Two. I get stuck with like all the the lesser the lesser Just films straight and to VHS. Golly, and man, uh, Never Ending Story Two. I just I went to town on that movie. The Rockbiter's yeah. kid looks like a, a rock pile of poo. Like literally, yeah. his head looks like a pile of poo. It's, it's just dire. it's terrible. It's such a shame because uh, the book uh, finishes halfway through where the movie ends, and the oh. book actually carries on where Bastion enters Fantasia oh. and has more adventures. Um, and of course, the movie. I like, oh, that's another thing about it. The I showed it to a couple of friends a couple years ago, and it got to that bit where it's like he's listening right now. He knows what to do. Just say my name, Bastion. And they're like, oh, that's creepy. And then she turns to camera and she's like, but there are others. They were with him when he ran from the boys. They were with him when he went into the bookshop. My friends were like, ah! (laughs) It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. Um, They're all part of the never-ending story. (laughs) And I loved that as a kid because it was so, it was creepy and it was terrifying, but it was so fascinating and so correct and charming as well. Um, I think it's brilliant. I love watching people's reactions when this character from this movie starts going like, I know you're watching this. <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah, let, let me test your, your knowledge because uh, when he yells her name, it's so hard to hear. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what her name is? Yeah, for some reason his mom was called Moonshine. Um, but that's one of my favorite parts as well. Like, I will do it. I will do yeah. my dream. <laughs> Flings it. Like, you honestly cannot understand yeah. what he's saying. And I wonder why they did that. Like, that was such yeah. a, a weird thing that they um, did. I get it, because the name needed to be something cool. And he always, he's like, my mother had such a beautiful name. Her name was Moonshine. That is weird. It is appropriate for the childlike empress in a place like Fantasia. Because can you, can you imagine him flinging open the door and being like, Sharon! Yeah, and like, ah, here's our Empress, Sharon. <laughs> like, Cindy! <laughs> yeah. It needed to be something, like, fantasy-y, but, like, you cannot understand a word this poor little child actor is saying. Yeah, the, the sound design was weird. They put, like, a thunderclap, like, right yeah. when he says it, and you're like, uh, what? what? Perhaps what? that was the point as well. When I was watching it as a kid, I was like, oh, you know, it's like the end of Lost in Translation. You're not meant to know right. what's being said. Because it's not important what the name is. What's important is that he does what he dreams and Fantasia is saved. 
And then as I got older, I was like, right, what the fuck does this little shit say? Like, let <laughs> yeah. me Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me put the, let me put the subtitles. Let me put the subtitles <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the Blu-ray. Come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a great movie. It is. It's it's a, it is, even though it didn't make my list. Just like you know, uh, Princess Bride. It's there's no mm-hmm. arguing here. Like, it's a yeah. classic. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. If you haven't seen it, everyone should watch Never Ending yeah. Story. It's Please it's fantastic. Um, my number three is 1982's Dark Crystal. And I know that nice. you did a whole episode on that. So I, I mm-hmm. kind of assumed that it would show up on your list. It has not it's yet. Who knows not. if it will or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, as a kid, that movie just took me to Imagination City. Like, just yeah. everything. Uh, and you guys talked about it, uh, the two of you on your episode. Just how there's – it's crazy how there's just no humans in it whatsoever. So yeah. there – the like the barrier the entry to get into this movie is a little bit harder than i think like labyrinth is mm-hmm. uh spoiler alert labyrinth is lower on my list so it's like it's it's i think my problem like the reason dark crystal isn't like at number one is i think it is hard not having any human actors yeah. in it like whatsoever and i you know i i'll admit that we're kind of having a tough time getting through the tv show yeah. um you know I already have my own problems with things that are prequels because I'm always like, well, why do I care? You're all going to yeah. die anyways. We know what's, yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we know what's coming. And then I'm getting a bit fatigued, you know, a couple like having to watch a few episodes back to back. It works better for me like watching it one at a time episode wise. Mm-hmm. I almost think they really should have just made a movie out of the prequel instead yeah. of like a, a TV show. Um, it's just it's a little bit rougher to watch. And I even find that with the Dark Crystal, the movie uh, yeah. nowadays trying to watch it i'm like i love it i'm like and it's one of the things where i'm like i know i'm supposed to love it more than i do but it's just hard to get into it i know exactly what you mean that's exactly how i feel like i really want to respect jim henson's creation and i do there are moments in the dark crystal that i think are absolutely wonderful and i will sit down and i watch them and then there are other moments where i'm like time to get a cup of tea yeah like and it's it's such a shame because it is so wonderful and I'm so happy that it did to have a resurrection on Netflix. But again, I am struggling to get through it. Um, I don't know what it is. It must be the lack of humans. But then we never had a problem with the Muppets. Um, I but then, the but then in the Muppets, they were actually like in the real world. Like there was yeah, still that that human element. True. This this has nothing, right? Like there's it's a it's an alien planet with everything is an alien design, and mm. there's just no humans to it. It's just it's hard to like latch on to something, and yeah. you get that the stakes are huge. But they're not huge for us, so we can't relate. So what really, you know, and you could, and, and, and to this day, everyone, you know, tries to talk about, like, Star Wars, about, like, oh, you know, like, why does Obi-Wan age differently? Like, shouldn't he be aged differently between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope? And I'm always like, okay, but first and foremost, you got to remember, none of these people are humans. They're all aliens. Even, yeah. like, like, even the ones that look like humans, they're not from Earth. Everyone mm-hmm. is technically an alien. But at least with Star Wars... They look like humans, so you can kind of, like, and they have human emotions and human needs and human expressions, so you can kind of, like, latch on. It's just, it's hard with Dark Crystal, but, yeah, like, like when we were talking about on the Tron episode, everyone go check out uh, um, uh, Why This Film, uh, the Tron episode that I was on, and, uh, you know, on that episode, you know, 
we both appreciated the technical aspect of it, even if we didn't particularly care for the pacing or particularly mm-hmm. care for, you know, the story structure. But I think both of us have like kind of an artistic background where we can say, ah, but I get, like, I get why that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and parts of it is awesome, but, yeah. and we can kind of overlook the parts that aren't awesome, you know, but sometimes it's hard to get into those type of films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And, like, that doesn't stop the Skeksis being incredibly iconic and everyone's tried their hand at doing the... Mm, the Chamberlain. Gambling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, real quick, my favorite uh, uh, Skeksis was the scientist guy with all the, like, the mechanical parts on him yeah. with his robotic eye. I, after, yeah. When I was a kid, like, I went through a phase of, like, always drawing, like, people without an arm and then, like, tubes would be going into their eyes, you know, and stuff nice. like that. Yeah, I like <laughs> I liked all that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you're – wait. Uh, we're on your number two, correct? Mm, my number two is 1986. It's Labyrinth. Hey, that's my number two as well. Hey. hey. <laughs> Synchronicity. All right. Well, have at it. You go first. This movie changed my life. I watched it. I borrowed it. Someone had taped it off the television onto a VHS, someone I did karate with. And they lent it to me because they were like, oh, you like fantasy movies? You should watch Labyrinth. And I was like, what's that? She lent me this VHS. And I sat down and I watched Labyrinth from start to finish. And then I rewound it. And then I watched it again. And then I rewound it and I watched it again. And I watched it five times that day. I then watched it like every single day that week, at least twice, until I had to give it back to her again the following week at Karate. Um, I then immediately went out and bought it on DVD. And I watched it every single day and I showed it to anyone that I came across and would be like I just brought it with me everywhere I went and I was like hey should we watch this movie and everyone would be like what no and I'd be like well it's too late it's on we should probably just watch it and I would just sit there and be like isn't this the best thing you've ever seen isn't this the most imaginative and sexy and creative and heartfelt and uh, like I think it helped that I watched it just when I was at the sort of same age that Sarah is in the movie so I really really resonated with her and that sort of a need for independence saying goodbye to your childhood but not wanting to let go completely uh the Jim Henson puppetry I was obsessed with uh just little things like the door riddle and the way everything was done every part of that movie is so thought out and clever and even if it doesn't look quite perfect like the fireies you knew that they was someone came up with an idea and they saw it through to the end and that can be said about every single shot of that movie and that's not even touching on David Bowie and everything that he is in that the aesthetic the songs like his, his the junk. romance his balls <laughs> fucking junk man. <laughs> <laughs> but I never saw that that was something I came to a lot later on when I would talk about Labyrinth and then people would be like, oh, and David Bowie's huge penis. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And I had to go back and watch the movie and I suddenly, I now can't unsee it, obviously. Yeah, of course, of But it course. wasn't anything that I was ever drawn to watching the movie because there was so much else going on that I was just like, this is the best. And now when I go back and watch it, there are moments like when they charge the ro- uh, the Goblin City and like Ludo calls the rocks. I'm like, time to get a cup of tea. But then we immediately go into that um, with uh, Within You song with the like staircases and 
oh god just the the, the music and the the power plays and I will die for this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> Labyrinth it, is a hill I will die on. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the Goblin City uh, as a part where you kind of check out a little bit. I think that's one of the most exciting parts. Like when that um, mm-hmm. the door turns into the giant goblin yeah. armor piece, That they had mm-hmm. to do that. They had to make yeah. that fit and make it come to life. I mean, every, I lo- and I love all their silly little armor that they're wearing. Uh, yeah everything it's everything so about comedic. it i get it like i say that only because i'm like okay now when i rewatch it there are moments where because i've seen it a thousand yeah. thousand times yeah that's the time i'll choose because i would always just be like oh get get to david bowie come on just get into yeah. the castle come on um but it's funny like the rocks are chasing the people and the dog is going from a real life dog to a puppet dog which is always entertaining and like Oh my god, I love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I feel pretty much exactly the the same way you do. I watched it as a kid. I loved it. Um, you know, it, it would be one of the fantasy movies that I would pick over maybe a sci-fi film. I'd be like, oh no, I'm in the mood to watch Labyrinth because this mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, and honestly, it's one of the few movies that I feel like. I enjoy it more as I get older. Uh, yeah. I can, I think I can really dig into the technical aspect of it, especially, you know, learning more about it. Uh, just enjoying the audacity of the film, you know, just mm-hmm. w- what it's trying to do. And I, you know, like the David Bowie's bulge thing is it's there. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's there, but I feel like people latch onto it as something that's, that they say about it because there's really nothing negative to say about this film. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's like the only thing that you can be like, oh, but what about this? You know, if you want to be a little snarky, yeah. there's really nothing else that, that you can really say. There's so much heart in that movie, uh, both on camera and behind the camera. There's just heart. The movie just exudes like heart and, and mm-hmm. just, just effort, just effort everywhere. Every yeah. shot just felt like it felt, it took, was effortful to make. And, and I almost feel like sometimes when I'm watching Dark Crystal, I feel like as a viewer, especially because of my particular mindset of trying to figure out the technic- technicality of it, I almost feel like Dark Crystal is bogged down by its effort and, and how yeah. effortful it is. And, and I'm just like, man, I, did you guys not have an easy shot? I almost, feel, <laughs> I almost feel stressed at the end of Dark Crystal for the puppeteers and like yeah. how they pulled it off. Whereas, you know, the, the Labyrinth, you know, and again, it also had a, an easier point of entry with the human characters and, you know, making yeah. the, the guy goblin king human it gives you uh, a better point of entry and i mean he's a great villain he's not bad he's not like a a bad bad guy right like Uh he's sort of like just doing his job of of, whatever yeah you beckoned me you asked for this like Mm -hmm. i didn't i was in the goblin kingdom doing my thing yeah i was fine you asked for this and now i got chaos in my life right (laughs) But but he handles it in stride. Like he 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 doesn't yeah. get mad about it. He like you know I, I don't know. He's a great villain, and I always mm-hmm. hesitate to even call him a villain. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, and it is creepy in retrospect that like he was in love with her. But as like a teenager, I was like, oh my god, for the Goblin King to be in love with me. Like but, it's sh- that it was that perfect fantasy of being swept away to a different realm where the leader of that realm was in love, desperately in love with you, but you still one-upped him. And, like, there was enough female empowerment and, like, weird, creepy romance 
to just like ride that line. And and Jennifer Connelly, I, I feel like I don't know how old she was exactly when she filmed it, but yeah, I feel like, like uh, any younger and it would have been creepy. And any older, and you wouldn't have bought her naivete about it. Yeah. So, like, I mean, they just got Jennifer Connelly right at the exact age where it walks mm-hmm. that line and it doesn't be- ever become weird. Because, yeah, a guy, uh, a grown man in skin-tight pants with a huge slonger, <laughs> like, hitting on, like, a – she's supposed to be, like, what, 17, 16, like 15, 16, something like yeah. yeah, you know. And it's like, you know, like, okay, that could have been weird, but mm-hmm. it didn't. Somehow they made it not weird. And yeah. that that's remarkable unto itself. Because he's still that weirdo character, but they—it's just so beautifully done. Everything is just right on the perfect line. When, when those French doors burst open and a bunch of glitter just cascades into the room, and the music changes, and David Bowie's there, and the frame sort of slows down, and he's like, "What's said is said." I hit puberty then and there. <laughs> First time I ever saw that, I was like, "I have a vagina." <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's that's perfect i've talked about uh, a lot of movies on the main podcast after dark show uh that features you know nudity and i was like yeah i became a man when i watched this at the age of like 11 you know (laughs) pretty much um but i mean like i love the idea of a beautiful monster like he's he's Mm -hmm. technically he's the goblin king you think he's gonna be grotesque but he's gorgeous and i don't i i'm straight i don't give a crap david bowie is absolutely just beautiful he's a beautiful like creature in this movie he's not even like and maybe and you know maybe that's the the thing where you don't really even register his schlonger hanging out it's like because he's not technically human and he's and he's almost just david bowie naturally is otherworldly looking and just beautiful looking and just you know you put him in this scenario and it's just like you almost say to your, you know, your brain almost says it's like, well, we don't understand what the Goblin King even is, so uh-huh. you know, it's like it's not a sexual thing, but yes. yet, but yet he exudes right. sex, yes. so it's it's weird. It's such a, and it, I don't think that movie could be done with anyone else. Like, no. I'm sure you could try, and I'm sure you could make a case yeah, for it. And I'm they sure wanted you could like make... Sting. Can yeah. you imagine? Ugh. Oh God, no, no. Ugh. Especially after seeing him in uh, Dune. Did you ever watch Ugh. the original no, I Dune? Didn't. Yeah, I mean, Sting just doesn't have the same chemistry. He's, he's got a different yeah. kind of sex appeal than than David Bowie did because yeah. David Bowie he has he has very like thoughtful eyes, and I think that's that's yeah. what where the thing comes. I never felt scared of the Goblin King, and I think a lot of it comes from David Bowie's. Uh, you know, he's an artist, very sensitive eyes. He has very sensitive mm-hmm. eyes. He never looked like he was upset or mad or whatever, and and he. It's weird. Like, as a villain, I never consider him a villain at all, ever, because I just don't feel like yeah. he behaves as a villain. But he is, you know, the antagonist He's, of the film, yeah. technically. Or I guess you could almost say that her wish is the antagonist of the film, and, and yeah. thus she's her own antagonist as a way. And, and yeah. he's he's not really the antagonist of the film. This He's is just the a thing. device. It's, it's so complex whilst being so simple at the same time. Like, it's just perfect. Did you ever read there was a manga sequel oh. of... Um, four books, four manga oh. books, uh, called Return to the Labyrinth, which sort of focused on Toby, now sort of 15, um, and he winds up going back to the labyrinth, and it's 
really good. <laughs> That's, that I, I would I like that kind of stuff. I like when you do sequels that have actual like the real time in between, and then mm. you see where the characters are now. Uh, when we talked about Tron, and I mentioned um, on your episode of uh, why this film, go go and listen to that, guys. And uh, when we talked about Tron, I, you have not seen Tron Legacy, but they do that in Tron Legacy, where mm-hmm. the same amount of time in our world, the viewers' world, has passed as the same amount of time has passed in in their world, and you see how where you pick up where you left off and you know some some movies do it better than others you know you can make an argument about the the sequel trilogy for star wars if if that needed to happen or not (laughs) but um i do still like the idea of of revisiting these characters but just at a different point in their life Mm -hmm. and that sounds really cool i would like to see that like have toby and i could totally see someone doing now a sequel where you know, Toby is the Goblin King and, you know, yeah. he's there and you don't even need David Bowie and then you can do like another sort of rehash retelling but it would have a connective tissue or so. Or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds, that sounds cool. I actually really want to check out that comic book. <laughs> yeah, dude. Brilliant. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you for that recommendation. Um, all right. Let's, uh, all right. Drum roll time for number one. Number one. It was close but I had to go with 1985 legend oh man all right my number one is not on on your list um i will say that i don't think i've ever seen legend all the way through and that was because the first time i tried to watch it i was actually too young and i i think got scared what what year did it come out did you say 82 um 85 85 okay so i was probably like i don't know i, I mean I was like seven years old, and I think I was about to watch Scarier Things, but for some reason, Tim Curry as that devil yeah. really freaked me out. And I would honestly, it's it's been on my to-do list for so long of going back and rewatching Legend because it's a it's a Ridley Scott film, or is it a Tony Scott yeah. film? Ridley it's Ri- Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah, I, I love Ridley Scott. Um, mm-hmm. I don't hate Tom Cruise, uh, especially like younger Tom Cruise. Um, I think the makeup looks amazing, but I don't actually know. Like what the story is, I don't know anything about that film. So to, yeah. please fill me in, and, and spo- don't don't worry about me. Full spoilers because I'm the outlier here. I guarantee you, everyone's seen it. Not besides me. <laughs> well, I don't know because unfortunately now when you type in legend, it comes up with that Tom Hardy movie about the Cray twins. But um, no one's ever heard of this. No one's ever seen it. There was like one Family Guy joke about it. Um, people often remember Tim Curry's makeup, but it is, it is pure fantasy in a way that even Labyrinth isn't. It is. It is pure, hardcore, ultimate good versus ultimate evil. So Tom Cruise is Jack, the forest boy, um, in a beautiful 80s outfit of, like, Peter Pan-esque leaves, short shorts. Um, And he lives in the forest and he hangs out with the local princess who's played by uh, Mia Sara. And she, he takes her to see the unicorns. Uh, who were, like, visiting the forest that day, and she touches one, um, and he freaks out about it. Meanwhile, you've got Tim Curry as... He's not the devil himself. It it feels like the devil exists, and Tim Curry is, like, the devil's son. And he has, like, noticed Miyasara, and he, like, wants... He wants to kill the unicorns so darkness can reign over the entire world. Uh, so they trick the princess into killing one of the unicorns and then the whole world is plummeted into this like snow. Um, and they basically have to like team up together. She's kidnapped. 
uh, Tom Cruise has to like hang out with these weird goblin-like uh, forest creatures, and they storm the de the devil's like a castle to like get her back and to save the the second unicorn and to bring light back into the world. It is so simplistic and it, it has that wonderful thing that I love in movies which is a massive tonal problem where it'll go from like dumb dumb comedy to like something horrifically frightening um they filmed in the German countryside where they literally clearly just like flew a helicopter down with buckets of glitter and they just like chucked the glitter all across the German countryside. <laughs> you definitely and couldn't it, do that nowadays. <laughs> you could not do that today. But it looks fabulous. It just looks like you are in a pure fantasy world. And they have like a Danish kid do, playing this like the, the gump who's this like forest creature that sort of looks like an elf boy. But... He's clearly been, like, dubbed over, so his, like, mouth doesn't quite fit with his words. So you've got this sort of uncanny, weird thing going on. And it's not meant to be weird, but it kind of is. But it fits into this weird world of, like, pure, pure, like, fantasy. Like, fine, fine powdered fantasy that I can just snort up my nose. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything you just said sounds absolutely amazing to me and i i honestly you know what you know what i would love to watch that movie at some point and then go on Dude. your podcast again and talk about it yes! uh, <laughs> i was gonna suggest that i genuinely was i you know and we'll re we can reverse it like i can sort of uh, be your role and you can mm -hmm. be the the person of like why this movie um yeah I'm, I'm not trying to invite myself on your oh, on no, your podcast i was but... literally gonna suggest the same i haven't done a my choice movie on my podcast for ages so it's it's a coming. Uh, let me once we stop recording today, I'll go and look and see where it's streaming if I can find it. Um, you mentioned it sometime earlier in the conversation. Uh, that that's why I love doing these podcasts because I would never have the time to watch it otherwise. But if it's yeah. for a podcast, I'm like it's a it's my job. I yeah. gotta go watch <laughs> the Legend. You know, <laughs> you know, like someone was uh, one of my buddies was hitting me up. Uh, you know, he's like, ah, oh, what are you doing Saturday night? Got a crazy night. I was like, oh, I gotta work. And uh, he's <laughs> like, oh, that sucks. I'm like, well, I'm just watching Tron. It's not really. It's, it's not that hard. <laughs> you know, I smoked a bowl and watched Tron. It's not. It's not a rough life uh, being a full time podcaster. But uh, th that's why I love it. I love because it gives me a reason to actually go and watch it and you know and actually pay attention to it versus like you know twiddle yeah. around on your phone or something so i am totally down to do that anytime you want i'll go check and see where it's streaming and we'll, we'll make that happen because yes. it sounds amazing and i know that there's like a a bog witch or something in it that i've seen shots of yes. that looks just awesome and um yes. i i used to live in uh burbank in hollywood uh, or in la uh, i know you're over in the uk so i'm trying to give you like broader uh names so you can know where it is but uh burbank's like where all the studios are and it's the suburbs right above hollywood you know it's the yeah. quote-unquote in the valley um right. and there is a store called like monsters in motion in burbank that has all kinds of old like Harryhausen stuff and you know all kinds of old monster magazines and stuff but they have a life-size uh um like sculpture stand-up of the bog lady from oh. legend she's green right when and yeah like boobs are kind of nice. like sagging down and yeah yeah Play, played by like a doug jones type person yeah. it's like a man but she's like dripping and 
like hunchbacked and she's like Rah! yeah with like these long fingernails that like go down his like golden arm it just this movie is so like visceral and like dr- like tangible and that's what i love about it and and every time i see that in there like every time i walked in there every time i'm like god damn it i need to watch legend it's like it's yeah. like a reminder i'm like god <laughs> yeah. damn it i need to watch it like have i never seen it and, mm-hmm. uh, and like and i love uh tony scott i'm, I'm a huge tony ridley scott well, i'm actually I'm, I'm both i'm a fan <laughs> of both i love tony and uh ridley uh tony rest in peace um and uh, uh and you know because obviously alien i loved alien as, mm-hmm. as a kid and whatnot um so uh, it's it literally it, it's one of those movies where it literally sounds like it's for me, and yet somehow I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really interested to know what you what you think, because again, like like all of these movies, there are certain moments in it that I'm just like bewitched by, and I will just be enthralled at the TV screen. And then there'll be other moments where I'm like, oh, this is this is time for a toilet break moment. <laughs> like like five minutes of like some action where I'm just like, eh, they'll figure it out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Well I uh I look forward to that. So uh guys and gals out there, look look for that coming at some point this year. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um all right, my number one is the nineteen eighty eight film Willow. <sighs> Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I straight up, I mean, all these movies are on here, you know, probably like Labyrinth and Willow are two movies that I'll say, I just straight up like them, right? Like, <laughs> like they, it's not like, okay, me picking my fantasy list or whatever. These Those two movies show up on other lists, too. Yeah. Whereas, you know, honestly, uh, uh, Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonia, they only show up on my fantasy list. Uh, I used to say Dark Crystal was was like sort of was sort of evergreen, but as I keep watching it, as I get older, I do really feel like Dark Crystal needs a, a human character to kind of uh, engage with. Um, but Willow, I love Willow. Every time I watch it, I, I love it. Uh, the special effects are not that great; they don't hold up that great nowadays, especially some of the brownie stuff. Um, but it had a lot of things that I very much enjoyed, and. One of those things that I very much enjoyed is that well, you say you like, you know, your your fantasy ground down to a small, fine, you know, uh, powder that you can snort. I like it as like big chunky, big chunky rocks that maybe I can smoke. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make a, a drug reference as someone who, who who only has ever smoked weed and really done nothing else. I don't know what else you do with any other kind of drugs. Um, but uh, but you know what I mean. Like I like fantasy that kind of inhabits multiple worlds. Kind of has like one foot in the action world. Yeah. Like you know, you could say like. Yeah, you know, Willow's got action elements. Willow's got humor elements, you know. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it sounds like, you know, legend relies a little bit more on just pure fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I I sometimes for me the pure fantasy because I didn't read a lot of that stuff as a kid kind of is a hindrance, you know, for me. But Willow you know Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan. You know just the 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 the, the female villain. I had the crush on her. Uh, wait, <laughs> she had red hair. Red Sonia had red hair. I think we're seeing a. <laughs> I think we're seeing a trend uh, there as a kid. Um, I thought she was great. I liked how she turned. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know like all the little set pieces that they did where they fought those goblin creatures. And you know I like how how unique all the goblins look. They you know they were hairy yeah. as opposed to to you know being green like they definitely put their own spin on everything and then for me as a kid uh the coup de gras was like that big guy with the skull mask you know that he had on i was like and and, you know as 
Boba Fett's my favorite character. So I have like <laughs> this I have this affinity for for characters that don't get a lot of screen time but look really really badass because mm-hmm. I think I just can fill the rest in with my imagination and I thought he was just super super cool and I I, I have it, I have that one on Blu-ray. It's, uh, of all the movies that we talked about, that's the only one I actually wow. have on Blu-ray. And uh, and I don't, you know, it's not perfect. It's got a lot of problems, and a lot of them are technical, you know. But I mean, it's uh, it's George Lucas, you know, produced it, and uh, Ron Howard, you know, directed it. It's it's it's. I think it's classic. I love it. It, but it did not show up on your list at all. What what's your feelings on that one? So I loved it when I first watched it, and I used to watch it a lot. And then it was actually the very first uh, episode I ever did on why this film. And I watched it for that episode, and I've not watched it since, because that episode, I don't know, something happened where I was just like, this movie is so long, and it's always been so long, and it's like three hours long, that's too long, it's too long, and I was like, exactly what you said, how it's a mixture of action and a mixture of comedy and a mixture of romance... I mean, as you can probably tell, like, that as well didn't... I would stick it on, and then I would always just, like, do something else, and it would just be on in the background. And then I would come back for when, like, they were doing the sort of love bit with the potion, and then I would turn away again, and then I would come back for, like, some other thing. But it... it, I don't know what it is. It's bizarre. It should be so up my street, but there's something about Willow... I don't like the character of Mad Martigan. I think he's a dick. <laughs> um, I thought she was an idiot for going with him. Um, she, I mean, the the queen is excellent. It it was it was it's very epic. It was very big. It was very um, brave. That's the wrong word, but do you know what I mean. They really took a leap of like faith with it especially because fantasy movies at the time were like dying because it's very late 80s yeah uh, if I recall and I don't I can't even tell you why I'm not a massive fan of Willow because I did watch it a lot and maybe that's it I I wore it out and I was like we're done with Willow now it's too long <laughs> Mad Martigan is a piece of shit like I'm over it yeah um I remember I- it so distinctly I can tell you every single thing that happens in it but I'm just like eh <laughs> and I know what you mean. Like, like as an artist, uh, growing up as a kid, I would draw a lot of times in my room while something was just playing on in the background. And mm-hmm. yes, I've seen Aliens like you know five hundred times. I've only probably actually watched it, watched it all the way through, like you know maybe twenty times or something, yeah. right? Like with with no pauses and you know no no distractions. And sometimes uh, you know I, I I love the one of my favorite things. I live in Oregon now. One of my favorite things about L.A. when the few favorite things about LA is that um, so many movie theaters would just show old movies right and yeah. uh, you know so many like events and stuff and it was so easy to go see older films so I liked that I liked being able to actually see a movie that I had not halfway paid attention to and actually you know when you're in a theater you're forced to actually pay attention to it you mm-hmm. know so I totally get where you're coming from on that uh, for some reason it didn't it it, it has that x factor for me that kind of draws me yeah. into it and maybe I, I need to rewatch it and, and, and I almost I was really wrestling with if, if I would put Labyrinth or Willow on number one. And I got to truly say that I probably like 
Labyrinth now more than I do mm-hmm. Willow, but I was looking at this from like more of a nostalgic standpoint of yeah. when I was a kid, and I, I definitely liked Willow a bit more as a kid, mm-hmm. and and it was probably for all the reasons you didn't like it, you know. Exactly. I there's no real the the women are your sort of classic like um, oh look there's the old witch who like right. saves the day, there's the evil queen, and then there's like they managed to make her both love interest princess and warrior princess at the same yeah. time they're like tick 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 um and there was a grittiness about it like the no one's armor was shiny mm-hmm. you know like like it almost had that star wars aesthetic where everything felt like it was a world that was was existed and and you know previously lived in and yeah. uh you know and and it this the setting and the look of it almost gave you a history that you know there was a time before now that might have been more prosperous but now they're not as prosperous and it just i don't know i I got the sense that there was a history before what we were watching and when i was a kid i didn't know that that was like a big deal to me but as i get older i realize that i'm a i'm a just a a whore for um (laughs) world building i love i love world building and we talked about it all the time in tron uh um why this film podcast Podcast. And we talked about like how I love like like I love Tron's world, but yet, you know, and you could tell the director Lisberger knew every aspect of the world, but then the story that he was telling within the world wasn't that great and, mm-hmm. and had plot holes. But you could tell that so much love was put into the world that he created. And I just I do love world building and George Lucas is great at that. And I think that's yeah. probably what helped. Uh, Willow was probably his, you know, his involvement, you know, in it and giving that sort of a dirty used look aesthetic, you know, but everything you say, I, I you know, I totally get where you're coming from on it, you yeah. know, and, and I yeah. agree, like it's so distinct all the different lands within this planet almost there's the like hobbiton and then there's like the taverns of like Rohan and like, like it's very like then you go to the sort of almost uh, off. Arthurian island where that woman is is a squirrel or whatever. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> chasing back the shrew. <laughs> I love um, that. I will <laughs> randomly just like I'll just literally say shrew. <laughs> you know, I, just, I loved it, and it's weird because as kids, you just you don't know what you're going to latch onto, right? But like yeah. you, looking back as an adult, you're like, ah, that's what I remember. I, for some yeah. reason, I latched <laughs> onto like that scene, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just I I enjoyed it, and uh, but you know, again. I enjoyed a big part of it was I liked that dude with the mask. Like I thought he was really, really cool. And you know, yeah. you, you gotta have a cool antagonist, right? Like you, you can't, you, you, your movie is only as good as your, your hero, your protagonist is only as good as your antagonist. Yeah. And he was such a menacing, menacing force, you know? Yeah. I think I love now the idea of an ensemble cast. Perhaps it confused me when I was younger. I'm like, are we meant to be on Willow's side? Are we meant to be on Mad Mardigan's side? All these different people with these different, like, motives. Like, what am I meant to think? Whereas now as an adult, I'm like, that's a good thing, Emily. Um, (laughs) I never liked how, like, the baby was, like, the main character. And we just kept getting shots of this baby with, like, this horrible wig glued onto its head. (laughs) You're right. And they're like, ah, the, like, God baby has told you that you're a decent human being maybe you should start acting like it and i was like fuck man <laughs> i love mad mardigan he was he was a he was a magnificent bastard that's that's all i gotta say <laughs> he's an excellent character and he was done very well and you know he's 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 this sort of han solo isn't he i guess but um 
a little more jerky never, than, than Han Solo, Han Solo, I'd say. Touche, touche. All right, well, that was our, our both of our number ones. Let's do our honorable honorable mention from the nineties. Mine is nineteen ninety six Dragonheart. Oh, whoa. Okay, um, I'm trying to picture. I know that movie. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. is, is that the one where he does what's his name? Does the voice of the dragon, right? Yeah, Sean Connery. Yeah, that's right. I might have seen it once when it came on VHS. I don't know anything about it really. Um, and, and just to let you know, I was, I was graduating high school at the time so, and uh, knowing that you know, fantasy was never really my thing, I kind of didn't really pay attention Definitely. to it. Um, tell, us, tell us about that one. It is my favorite movie of all time. Alright. Tell, tell us about that one for sure. I absolutely adore it. Um, again, it's that ho- beautifully horrible tonal problem where it goes from like dumb, stupid jokes to like something horrifically dark. Sean Connery, um, the animation of the dragon, uh, Sean Connery as Draco, still holds up to this day. Uh, it was groundbreaking at the time and it still looks gorgeous today, which considering this is 1996, this is pre Gollum, like it's groundbreaking. Um, I'm looking at the IMDb right now, and actually, I'm amazed at how many people are in it. You got yeah. Dennis Quaid, obviously, you mentioned uh, Sean Connery, but uh, Dina Meyer from Starship Troopers is in it. Yeah. Uh, Pete Postlewit, which I used to love, you know, uh, rest in peace. Uh, Jason Isaacs is in it. Holy mm-hmm. moly. Uh, Brian Thompson's in it. Wowzers. Yeah. It's got a lot of people in it. David Thewlis as King Einan. Uh, one of my crushes as a child, which is very problematic. Um, <laughs> I, I see him. I see him right here. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm looking at his IMDb and trying to figure. Oh, he was uh, Remus Lupin. Okay, yeah. I, from yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's an that's an interesting crush. I I loved it. Dina Meyer played this wonderful character who was never sexualized once. Um, she had this cascade of red hair. She wore these ill-fitting, like, medieval, cottony, like, ugly, frumpy dresses. But she would, like, wield an axe. She does not get together with the man at the end. Um, they, in, they like, oh, they lead the people in a time of peace. But they don't, like, hook up. They don't have an on-screen kiss. Um, I love that shit. Like, how Pacific Rim slips that in as well, where you're like, fuck you, people don't need to kiss to, like, exist. Uh, 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 um, oh, that, I appreciate some love for Pacific Rim. I love that Oh, movie. hell yeah. And, um... Pete Postle, like, the characters felt so um, two-sided, every single one of them, like, had their own motives, but they wanted, like, this whole idea of rebellion and what was right runs through the movie. Um, God, like, the scenes between David Thewlis and Dina Meyer were always, like, just my favourite. And as you're talking, I'm like uh, searching through IMDb. I'm looking at, you know, the pictures from it. Um, So uh, Dennis Quaid, you know, plays uh, the main character, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like like the dragon, even though I don't really see it in motion in the the pictures, uh, the CGI looks good in in still frames. Um, And then I can tell that like they give his eyes are are a bit more expressive, like, you know, so he can actually look around and stuff. Um, I, I do remember, I think, in the trailer where I guess Dennis Quaid, was trying to start a fire and then he just like blows you know and makes the fire yeah. type of that I, I do remember that i was as i was skimming through, i was like oh yeah i remember that from the trailer um i 
I, I, I yeah, never saw it. I recognize the poster, um, yeah. but that it actually sounds kind of neat. Not gonna, not gonna lie. It's, it's really cute. Like I always get scared when I suggest people to watch it because chances are you're not going to enjoy it because it is very strange. The story's not really like anything else that was happening. Fantasy had died of death, so I don't know what Rob Cohen was doing in 1996 where he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make this movie about a fucking dragon." And everyone's like, what, why? Oh my God, stop. Ah, no. Um, but I, and I think that's why I love it. It's just this weird anomaly little movie in the middle of the 90s with this stellar cast in these like medieval outfits just trying to do like a, a the perfect mix of like practical effects and then the dragon was like really good CGI. The one thing about Dragonheart, everybody knows the main theme, which is called To the Stars. And if you listen to that song, you will have heard it on every trailer you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It did the Academy War Awards in like the 80s. It was used for like the Olympics in the US. Like it is a piece of music that is just pumped out all the time as like beautiful inspirational background music. And it comes from Dragonheart. Nice. And you will remember that and respect that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I maybe one day I'll check it out. I would definitely be more uh, into watching Legend yeah. uh, than Dragonheart. <laughs> but hey, I got to give you props. That's that is that's an awesome deep cut. I I never saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because I didn't remember the movie existed. But. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great, and I I love it. I love the fact that that's your favorite movie. That's so, so awesome. Um, My honorable mention for the 90s, if Evil Dead is a horror movie, then Army of Darkness is a fantasy film. And and I will die on that hill to the... (laughs) Any <laughs> to the day is gone. I don't know, but I I will defend that forever. And uh, Army of Darkness is my pick uh, for '90s fantasy film. Uh, I saw it in the theater with my buddy. I I, I can still even remember um, like like it was it was we knew it was wasn't going to be bad. Like I I don't even I think it was like maybe even PG thirteen. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we tried to see it in the theater in '92. I think I was probably thirteen at the time, and I remember the people didn't let us like buy the ticket. And this like older couple, you know, I probably I pictured them in my head being like forty, but they were probably like twenty one or something. <laughs> there was like there's like we'll we'll just buy the tickets for you and you guys just come in with us, oh, you know. Okay. And I was like, oh, so like I remember that. I was like, that was cool. And then, you know, I went and saw the movie and I'd already seen Evil Dead, and you know, it was just like, holy moly, like like you decide to take this like iconic, you know, at that point iconic horror character and literally just drop him into, you know, fantasy realm and how would that interact and you know it has horror elements to it but i would say that they're akin to like maybe the horror elements in legend and in legend is still a fantasy movie or movie mm-hmm. overall i would say that army of darkness is a fantasy movie first and foremost with horror elements added into it that's so cool i have to say is i've never seen it i've never seen any of the evil dead that sort of what's his name ash yeah that, ash yeah, yeah. I've never seen any of his sort of stuff. I've always wanted to, and Army of Darkness has been the one specifically that I've always definitely wanted to watch. And perhaps it's because it gives me those, like, fantasy vibes as opposed to the, like... Is it that that has the pencil in the ankle that, like... Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah, I think that was in the um, The the remake. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. the first one, yeah. And then they did... Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's... 
it's yeah ash yeah he always has bad things happen to him um he and, and it's all like comedic it's very slapstick they they went very slapstick on this one versus evil dead is kind of horror comedy like evil dead one is a horror movie evil dead mm-hmm. two is a horror comedy and then evil dead three i say is a fantasy slash comedy slash horror like in that order of like genres that it is nice. um and it's great because then you add in uh you know ash versus evil dead the tv series and it picks up after all of this and it just it works as this wonderful character study, uh, you know, this fun, splattery horror movie that you can anyone can sort of get into because it has some scares, but it's not that scary, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Evil or, e- <clears throat> and <laughs> Army of Darkness is fun because it has all that person out of time jokes. So he goes back in time with you know a shotgun, with a car, with uh, uh, you know a chainsaw on his hand, and you know like some people, it's it's like all that fun humor comes out of it where he's like standing up after he just shoots his gun and he's like, this is my boomstick. And he's like, <laughs> then he starts because he used to work at a convenience store or like a Walmart, you know, and he's like, oh, the, and he starts giving off like the specs of it and he's like, shop smart shop s mart and it's like it's so great because like, it's just it, there's so much humor to it um a lot of like person out of time humor a lot of like you know what does this do and you know f- scratch your head and it's funny you know stuff like that but then you know sam raimi is self-proclaimed like loves the old you know clash of the titans ray harry house and stuff the, st- the you know the old stop motion skeletons that mm-hmm. you know you used to see in the uh what was the like the odyssey or whatever those old movies were clash of the titans yada 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 um and you used to see like all that kind of stuff and he does that in here so this was like sort of his love letter his homage to like ray harryhausen and you know it's it's like it's great because the skeletons for better or worse they're not cgi and now they would Mm -hmm. be all cgi and here he had to figure out all kinds of ways to do them. There's a particular shot where there's a skeleton. Like, some of the main bad guys, or you can tell it's a person inside of a suit with, like, like decomposing or something looking like. But then there's a couple times where, like, you're trying to actually show a skeleton riding a horse, and it's just, you can't make, that thing is, like, it's stick straight. Just, like, it looks like the horse is going to throw it off because there's no person, <laughs> you know, on there. And so some effects don't work. Some effects do. But it's chock full of charm. And it's a lot of fun, but I would recommend watching Evil Dead 1 first and mm-hmm. then this. And honestly, if nice. you've never seen any of them, you do not need to see Evil Dead 1. You watch Evil Dead 2 because Evil Dead 2 is almost like a reboot retelling of Evil Dead 1. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, it's weird that it is sort of a sequel, sort of a reboot, but you don't need to see Evil Dead 1. You can right. literally do Evil Dead 2. Um, Army of Darkness back to back but I mean I I would recommend doing Evil Dead Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness and then watching the Ash versus Evil Dead TV show Mm. because it is just balls out crazy and fun (laughs) it does sound really cool I'm really like again like I've got an excuse now to go away and watch it so I can then like talk about it (laughs) yeah I've I've, they've been on my list for absolutely ages um, 
I just have to always pluck up the courage to watch horrors. That's the trouble. <laughs> I, I understand that. I, I'm like that with ghost movies. Because uh, it's like, you know, you say like, oh, I like horror. And they're like, all right, cool. Go watch The Grudge. I'm like, well, I don't like ghost movies. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they freak me out too much, you yeah, know. But I, I yeah, because like, I don't like, like, I don't like jump scares. And I feel like ghost yeah. movies are always just jump scares, you know. Yeah. Um, so that, but that that's a conversation for another time. Um, <laughs> but I, I, like I said, I'd be down to watch legend and, and talk about yes, that with I'm, you anytime yeah, literally gonna plan that in the diary immediately <laughs> nice nice um well that was our our watch list emily uh please plug your stuff where can we find you online where can we find you out there in the the podcasting world let us know where all the places we can find you Yep, so where this film is on apple podcasts it's on spotify we're on Castbox. Um, and on SoundCloud, we are on Instagram at Why This Film Podcast. We're on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast. Twitter at Why This Film Podcast. You can always email into us at Why This Film Podcast at gmail.com if you've seen any of the movies that we talk about. If you have recommendations of any movies that you want us to watch, or if you want to come on the podcast yourself with a movie that you used to watch a lot as a kid, we are always happy to have new guests. Um, yeah, we're just sort of everywhere. I've recently rebranded the logo, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. You posted that today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, check us out. Um, we do a season finale every season. Our season finale is a drinking game, so they're always a lot of fun as well, where we'll watch the movie and do the drinking game along with it. And the most recent one before Christmas was all three Back to the Futures, so that was oh. fun. <laughs> oh, very nice. That's that's awesome. I've I've listened to a few episodes in your catalog. I'll have to go back and, and listen to that one. We, we have drinking games, uh, unintentional drinking games here on <laughs> Podcasting After Dark uh, during our review of uh, the 1980 cult classic The Exterminator. The main actor's name is Robert Ginty, and I called him Gentry in uh, all kinds of variations of that at least 100 times that episode. So if you drink, you'll die. So don't <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. But that sounds like fun. I like, I like interactive podcasts. I like uh, uh, podcast drinking games. I think those are a lot of fun. And Obviously, uh, guys and gals out there, you're listening to this episode right now, which means you'll also see all the links um, for why this film in the show notes, and I'll post them on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff so we can send you some traffic and uh, whatnot because your, your podcast is a lot of fun, and uh, I highly recommend it. I think you guys should all go check it out. It's a lot of fun to talk about these these movies, and you know, obviously everyone here is listening because they listen to Podcasting After Dark, but you're definitely Podcasting After Dark adjacent, so... <laughs> as you can probably see from this list uh so that was it was this was a lot of fun and i really really appreciate you taking time out of your evening to talk to us about all of your favorite 80s fantasy films yeah no worries anytime you want me to talk about labyrinth i will talk <laughs> forever thank you so much for having me on it's been so much fun to think about and to then like go into it's really been a joy thank you so much Oh, thank thank you, Emily. This this was awesome. So everyone out there, go check out why this film, Yay. and we will catch you guys on the flip. <laughs> now you have to do a flip. <laughs> Flippity flip! <laughs> I will kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. 
You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool.